Let's bow again. Father, I do thank you for this opportunity to be in your word, and I pray you'd bless it uh, to our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I ask this question, have you ever been angry? Well, every single one of us is going to say yes, right? Anger is uh, part and parcel to the human condition. It is something that happens to us uh, on a daily basis for some. Um, it's, a, it's something that uh, comes upon us. But yet, I think we as believers don't understand how dangerous anger really is. I think we take it very lightly. You know, if you're driving in a, some type of a mountain area and there's no guardrail, you're cautious because you know, your car could slide off the road. You're recognizing there's danger involved. But I don't think we recognize how dangerous anger is in the life of the believer. Uh, there was this one uh, place nearby us here in Tennessee, as a little sign, it says that anger is just one letter away from danger, right? It really is. We are, we are very, uh, uh, we need to recognize how dangerous anger really is. Now, we're going to look at this today. We're going to see in the life of Jonah uh, whether he does or whether we do have any good reason to actually be angry. When we get angry, do we have good reason to be angry? And we're going to see how to avoid the deadly consequences of anger. Now, I'm going to briefly review the context. Uh, the book of Jonah is a true story, a real prophet, Second Kings chapter 14. It's not a fish story. It's not an allegory. It's a true story. And the Lord Jesus himself affirms that in Matthew chapter 12 and in Luke chapter 11. Now, I've shared before the situation in Israel at the time of Jonah and the situation with the Ninevites. Uh, certainly the Israelites were a disobedient people. They were disobedient on their way to God's disciplinary exile. Now, we know that Jonah was uh, around the uh, time of uh, 793 to 758 during King Jeroboam II's reign in the northern kingdom. Jonah was a prophet to the northern kingdom. Remember, the kingdoms were divided because of Solomon's sin. And so Jonah is a prophet to the northern kingdom. And everything we know about King Jeroboam II is in 2 Kings chapter 14, verses 23 to 29. And now it's important to realize that this is very close to within a generation away from when God would use the Assyrians, the same people that would, we'll see who repented last week and also will, will be addressed today, he would use those same people to swoop in within a generation to take Israel into captivity in 722 B.C. because of their sin. The northern kingdom, we see that in 2 Kings chapter 17. Now Jonah, his name means dove, and he has been called in Scripture a prophet, and as we'll see, a servant of the Lord. So Israel was disobedient on its way to exile, but what about Nineveh? What about Nineveh? Well, Nineveh, we saw a few weeks ago that they were a wicked, violent people on the road to judgment. They were a bloody city full of lies, spiritual harlotry that influenced the nations, uh, that included Israel. Uh, and as we're going to see, these Ninevites uh, even said that about themselves in chapter 3 when they repented. They acknowledged uh, the blood of their hands and their wickedness, their lies. They understood that. They understood that they were sinful. And so Israel is spiraling into sin. And uh, although they were God's people, Nineveh not being God's people, spiraling, or they were spiraling into sin into their judgment, they being exile, and Nineveh not being God's people were spiraling unto their judgment. Indeed, in the book of uh, Nahum, we see 
that uh, God would judge the Ninevites later on uh, after this generation evidently who repented uh, had expired. So then we have uh, this, uh, these two, these two uh, places during the time of Jonah, Israel and Nineveh. Now what's happened so far in the book of Jonah? Well, we saw God called Jonah to go preach, uh, go to Nineveh and proclaim against it. And Jonah, Jonah, Jonah <laughs> took off the wrong way. He took off the wrong way. He went the other way. And uh, he uh, went towards uh, Tarshish in the opposite direction. But the Lord, because Jonah's really his, didn't allow him to go far. And he appointed a fish, right? But before that, he appointed, brought about a huge storm, a storm in which everybody thought they were dying. The sailors were concerned. They cast lots to see who this was caused by, and it came on Jonah. The captain came down and said, why are you sleeping? How can you do this? Then all the questions, uh, and Jonah answered, he's a Hebrew. He fears the Lord God who made the heavens and the earth. Uh Uh-oh. And evidently, he spilled the beans that he was running from the presence of the Lord. And he told him, throw him in the the sea, that will stop this. But the sailors, they didn't want to. They kept rowing. They kept trying not to do this. But yet within this situation, they came to faith in the Lord. And they prayed to him. They believed in him. And then they threw Jonah overboard. And they also then worshipped him and made vows to him. Now the Lord God appointed a great fish, a big fish, and that swallowed up Jonah. Then we came to chapter 2, where we saw the depths to which God would bring his discipline upon one of his children. Jonah was drowning. And chapter 2 is about Jonah praying from the belly of the fish, but in this prayer he is recounting a prayer that he had while he was drowning initially when he was thrown in the sea. And God answered that prayer and saved him. And Jonah, we begin to see the fruit of repentance. He is thankful, and he says he's going to pay his vows, which means he's going to do what God called him to do. He's thankful, and he, and he understands that salvation comes from the Lord. And at that point, the fish spit up Jonah on the beach, and Jonah then is obedient and goes to Nineveh. And he begins to go through this great city. He proclaims, yet 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. And the Ninevites were convicted, and it says they believed in the Lord. They believed in God, and they responded, and they didn't even know if God would relent, but they thought, we're going we're gonna to call out to him. Everyone cry out to him. And they were in sackcloth and ashes, and God relented, and he did not bring his judgment upon them. And we know this repentance was not simply just to save them from a physical disaster, because The Lord God himself in human flesh declares that the men of Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah and that they would be those who stand up in the judgment against those who had seen Jesus personally and had rejected him. So they were saved. They were truly saved. Tremendous reality. And so we come from this point of this great, incredible revival, a city of at least a half a million. We've never seen anything like that. We don't even see that throughout the Old Testament that much salvation. Tremendous, tremendous salvation is of the Lord, is of the Lord. And so at this point, we come to chapter 4, where we see Jonah's response to this salvation. And it is a response that is quite shocking initially, but then if we analyze our own lives, we will realize at times we are like Jonah also, that we, uh, when we don't get our way, get angry that we, uh, at times, because of a lack of compassion for others, get angry. 
that we are just like Jonah at times, and God wants to weed that out of the lives of his children, and therefore we have this true story brought forth for us. Look at verse 1. We'll read the whole passage, and we'll come back and look at it specifically. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, I give that little, that little whiny voice in there, right? Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life, for death is better to me than life. Take my life, Lord. This is so bad. This is so bad I can't take it any longer, basically. So here we have Jonah who is angry. He gets angry over something that no one should be angry about, but he is angry about it because, as we will see, he doesn't get his way. And when you don't get your way, I bet you probably get angry at times, okay? So here it says, But it greatly displeased Jonah... And he became angry. Well, what is it that displeased Jonah? What is it? What is it that it was? It was, it was the salvation of the Ninevites. The salvation of They came to faith. They believed in the Lord. They were saved. And God relented of his judgment. We'll see later on. Jonah's still waiting for that judgment. But God relented. He did not destroy them. And so it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. Now, a, a literal translation, which is only in the Young's literal, I think, and they get a, have a good translation. The rest of the versions don't seem to, to pull out the Hebrew as well as I think they do. You could say it this way. But it was evil to Jonah. It was bad. It was evil. The term ra'ah speaks of bad or evil. Okay, that's how it's translated in the Old Testament. It was a, actually bad, it was a great evil. It was really bad for Jonah that they got saved. He didn't like it. And he became angry, or literally he burned towards it. He burned towards it. Now, uh, as I mentioned, it's kind of a shame that no other translations uh, translate it this way, but it really, it's really clear. He saw it as a great evil, and he got really hot. He got really hot. Uh, NESB, he became angry. I don't think that describes how angry Jonah was. He became hot. If you think about anger, have you ever got hot? You ever got hot because of anger? I think we all have, right? I think we all understand that. But here, he became really angry. It displeased him. And here, uh, what made him burn with anger? The salvation of the Ninevites. The salvation of the Ninevites. How can that be? These Ninevites, they're, they're saved, and, and Jonah is, is angry? Something's really, really wrong here. But in this, we're going to see the heart of what anger is that we see what it's at the core of anger it's going to help us understand how not to be the same way how not to uh sin like jonah did or to stop sinning like jonah did that we're going to see that you see these things were written for our instruction that we would not crave evil things we have these instructions here so it was a great evil and he burned towards it now uh, this great salvation of this wicked people uh this violent people uh does jonah revoid rejoice you think we would be rejoicing? Yeah, praise the Lord, they, they repented. No, he does not rejoice, folks. Jonah is messed up. He is a messed up prophet. And with this, we gain insight into the heart of anger that we need to learn from. We need to learn from. 
Now, before we get into this issue of anger, let's just take a sidetrack here and look at the idea of anger itself from Scripture. And we need to ask the question, is anger a sin? Is anger a sin? Well, we know that God, who is sinless, does get angry, but he is slow to anger, right? He is slow to anger. And we know that his anger is righteous anger. There is no sin in him. We know uh, from Ephesians 4:26 uh, that there is a leeway for an initial anger. Uh, you can turn to Ephesians 4:26. Now, this is a verse that people use to justify their anger, and if we read all the way through, you're going to say, "Ah, maybe I'm not seeing that rightly." If I justify my anger, because God makes it really clear. Because I believe we're going to see if it is anger based on our own wrong response and understanding. That's sin to start with. That's sin to start with. If I'm reacting to something and I become angry because of the circumstances, that is, that's wrong. Now, there are certain evils that come upon that can make us momentarily angry. Uh, someone who is innocent, who is harmed, can make you momentarily angry. Something like that. God has a righteous anger, but we do not have that same righteous anger. Ephesians 4.26, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. And this portion of Ephesians comes on the heels of having not being like the Gentiles, but having learned Christ and having our minds renewed and putting on the new self and not walking in our old ways. And this is an example of that. You know, we have examples. Let him who steals, steal no more, but let him work with his hands and be able to provide, right? Well, here, be angry, but do not sin. Do not sin. Now this word anger here, or gis, orge, or gismos, do, do not be angry. And then it says, do not let the sun go down. Now what's, what's that mean, the sun going down? That means the day's up, right? Don't let the sun go down on your par, or gismos, your alongside anger. Don't even have the emotions that go along with anger by the time the sun goes down. Don't even allow your irritation, you could translate it that way. Don't even be irritated by sundown. Now, this is assuming this is righteous anger, by the way. Be angry. It's not assuming that, you know, sometimes we take this, say, I can be irritated about something, but i got to get rid of it by nighttime. No, if it's sinful irritation, you need to confess it right away, okay? But if it is something in terms of a righteous anger for a very moment, uh, don't let it, don't be angry by the time the sun goes down. Don't be angry by the time the sun goes down. Why? He says, and do not give the devil an opportunity or a place. This is serious stuff. The enemy of our soul, the enemy of our God, uh, he is given a place in us when we hold on to anger overnight. And that's assuming righteous anger. What about unrighteous anger, okay? How much more for unrighteous anger, right? He gets a place. And we start thinking like Satan in regards to the areas that we have become disturbed about. We start to see people satanically. We start to see them wrongly. Don't do that. Don't give Satan a, a tupon, a place. We can't control even righteous anger. We know from uh, uh, the book of um, uh, James uh, that... Uh, let everyone be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. Be like God, by the way. That's what it's saying. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. It does nothing. 
Anger will never do anything in God's sphere of righteousness. It needs to be dealt with. If it's righteous anger, it needs to be done with by the time, by the, by the time you go to bed. If it's unrighteous, it needs to be done with right away. It doesn't accomplish anything. You know, yes, you can get stuff done if you're angry at somebody, yelling at them, stuff gets done. It doesn't accomplish anything that's righteous, that's unrighteous. You can get a lot of unrighteous stuff done angry, but it's not righteous. Getting angry at your spouse does not uh, resolve and help your marriage, whether it's your husband or wife, whatever it is. It doesn't help you at your work. It doesn't help you uh, uh, at, in, in any place, in any place. We're to be slow to anger. We're to be quick to hear the word of God, slow to speak and slow to anger. We can't control it. Satan gets a, gets a place. Now, some people say, well, no, I can be angry. Well, look down a little farther in Ephesians chapter 4, verse Verse 31, very clear. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away from you. Put it away. Put it away, along with all malice. There is no room for anger in the believer's life. Put it away. Put it away. And be kind to one another. By the way, when you're angry, I know you're not kind. And tenderhearted. I know when you're angry, you're not tenderhearted. Uh, forgiving each other. I know you're not forgiving if you're angry. Just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Confess it, put away. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So back to our passage. Jonah, to him it was evil. It was bad. It was not a good thing. It was a bad thing. Now, later on, God's going to say, does doing good get you angry, Jonah? Is that what's bothering you? Well, Jonah didn't see it as good. He saw it as bad. And one of our problems is we see when we don't get our way, that is bad. But maybe it's good if we trust the Lord and we allow him to live in our lives and, and, and lead our lives. It actually is a good thing because God's going to work it for good. But we get angry instead. But it was evil to Jonah, a great evil. And he burned towards it he burned towards it and what was the trigger point it was something external the ninevites but guess what it was internal because jonah didn't want them to be saved i guarantee 99 percent of the time you get angry it's because somebody does something you don't want to do or they don't do what you want to do or you don't have what you want to do done you're not getting your way now it's really obvious with kids they're you know, screaming and yelling, whatever. They don't get their way, right? But with us, we get angry. Get angry. Even if it's a good way you don't get. Or in this case, Jonah didn't get his way in a bad way. The Ninevites got saved. The Ninevites got saved. So then we see the inward reality. And ultimately, we're going to see it even more in depth as he prays. We're going to see his selfishness and his self-centeredness and thus his lack of compassion. When you and I are self-centered, we do not have compassion for others because we are focused on ourselves. And when someone does something to the contrary of what we want, boom, we get angry, okay? And we need to see that. It's wrong. And we need to not give Satan a place in these things. Look back in our passage, verse 1, but it greatly displeased Jonah, chapter 4, and he became angry. And notice this, he's a, he's, a, he's a prayerful guy, but he's going to pray in a way that really reveals how messed up he is. And he prayed to the Lord and said, here we go, 
Please, Lord, was this not what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, what was, what's the this? Them getting saved. He says, I fled to Tarshish. Now this is, this is crazy now. For I knew that thou art a gracious and compassionate God. Wow, gracious, that's his unmerited favor. Compassionate, that's the hesed, uh, or, or compassionate, it's kindness. And so to anger and abounding and loving kindness, that's his hesed. And one who relents concerning calamity. Wow, I knew your character. And guess what? Your character was not in line with my desire. And it was going to get in way with what I wanted, so I'm angry. Right? That's really what's going on here. Jonah has a selfish, warped view of God. And he uses this to justify his sin, by the way. Wasn't this what I did? Now, Jonah had repented. He was ready to obey and he was going the right way, but he's not all the way there yet. Now he's justifying his sin. Wasn't this why I did this before? I I told you, God, that you would do this because I knew you were this way. That's why I went the other way. Wait a second. That's so messed up. That's so messed up. It's been a couple days since he's been spit out from the whale. Well, maybe longer because he had to walk that 500 miles. But a couple days, uh, and certainly it's been a little time since uh, uh, he's preached, not very much, because he's going to wait for God to maybe destroy them. Okay, so he's vowed to obey, he's been thankful, but now he's kind of backtracking a little bit because God is not doing what he wants him to do. Okay. The middle of verse 2, Please, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. Again, he is backtracking and justifying his previous sin. Not good, right? Not good. I told you, God, uh, I'm right and you're wrong. I don't like... I mean, he's not saying God's wrong, but he's really saying that, right? And we say the same thing. We say the same thing when we want our way and God doesn't let it happen. We're basically saying the same thing. Jonah, in effect, is saying, I told you so. I told you so. But yet, who are you, O man, to talk back to God? Who are you to talk back to him? Turn to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45, verse 9. little different context, but the principle's the same. Principle's the same. Isaiah 45, verse 9. And I believe we quarrel with our maker all the time when we're unwilling to obey in regards to the things he has said. When we're angry. When we're angry. Isaiah 45, verse 9. Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker. An earthenware vessel among the vessels of the earth with a clay, say to the potter, what are you doing? Or the thing that is that you are making, say, he has no hands. Woe to us, God is the God knows what's right, He knows what's best, and we in effect in our anger quarrel with Him all the time. We see that. So then Jonah, at the core of his anger, he believes his way is better than God's. He wouldn't admit that, but he believes that. He wants his way. And that that way is good and God's way is bad. He saw it as a great evil. God's way is bad, my way is good. Isn't that what we, see, what we see? But here we see he has a warped view of God, and ultimately it has to do with his desires, which comes into the core of anger, by the way. I read this passage earlier, James chapter 4. What is the source 
of our quarrels and conflicts among you, is not the source the pleasures your pleasures which wage war in your members? You lust. That's a ne- you have a negative desire in a sense, or it's a desire, but it's it's not a right desire. And you do not have, so you commit murder. Well, no, these were Jews. They were committing murder, but they were angry. And Jesus said it's the same thing. You're angry with your brother. It's like committing murder, right? You you don't get what you want, so you're you're angry. And I see he says here, you you and you are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You're not getting your way, so you fight and quarrel, right? You do not have because you do not ask. You're not asking should be on our knees asking God to work out the situation for his glory and his way. And then you ask, and you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures or your desire. You want it to work out your way. You adulteresses, spiritual adultery. Do you not know friendship with the world? You're functioning by the world's wisdom. That is hostility towards God. Hostility towards God. So with that, whoever desires to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy or opposes himself to God. But God gives grace to the humble, right? He, but he opposes the proud. So then Jonah had somehow incorporated an understanding that he didn't like other people getting saved. He liked the compassion for himself. He liked God's character that way, I believe. But he didn't like it when it applied to those that he hated. And there's all kinds of reasons out there why Jonah thought this was a bad thing, the Jews were prejudiced, this and that, all kinds of stuff. But the Bible doesn't tell us. He just saw it as a bad thing. He saw it as a bad thing. Jonah is messed up. He is self-focused. He is self-focused. So then, we need to recognize that God is good, and what he does is good. Jonah saw it as bad, but it's good. The Lord's going to say in a moment here, is doing good making you angry, Jonah? Is doing good? This is a good thing. Now, we are not able to discern between good and evil when our hearts are not being bathed with the word of God, when we're not seeing God rightly, when we're seeing ourselves so inflated because of our issues, we're not seeing God rightly. God is good. Psalm 25, verse 8, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. Psalm 86, verse 4 and 5. Make the soul of my servant glad, for to thee, Lord, I lift up my soul, for thou art good and ready to forgive. You're a good God. You do what's good. If God is allowing something in your life, he's going to use it for good. It may not be good itself, but he's going to use it for good, so I need to recognize that rather than intervening in anger to try to change it. I need to pray with the right motive that God would take care of that. We know with uh, in Genesis, uh, Joseph says to his brothers, you meant it for evil. That's what they meant it for. But God meant it for good, the saving of these people. And so we got to see it this way. We need to see God as sovereign. We act as though, practically speaking, we don't believe in God in those moments because we don't allow him to work that out. We don't go to him to try to help us in those situations so that we would not sin and that he would resolve the circumstances his way. But God is good. Praise the Lord or give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, David writes in Psalm 34, verse 8, verse 6. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him, there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not be in want 
lack of any good thing. And what God does is good also. What he does is good. What he did with the Ninevites was obviously good. We can't argue with that, but Jonah didn't see it that way. And there are things in our lives that are not so obvious where they are, they are, they are good and we see it not as good. And we need to get over that and trust the Lord and see things his way. What God does is good. Psalm 84, verse 11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. He doesn't withhold good. He's a good God. And so we know that even when bad things happen, we trust it to work good. It doesn't mean we acknowledge and say, oh, that's really great, Lord, that my car uh, had a tire blow and I flew off the side and, and I'm in the hospital now. No, that's not a good thing, but God is going to make that good so I don't get angry at him or other people. Or at the car that pulled in front of me well, that made me go off the side or whatever it is. Now, certainly it could be my fault too, but we recognize that God is going to use it for good. He turns evil to good. He turns evil to good. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. Psalm 119, uh, verse 68. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. We know that and we need to apply these truths about his character when bad things happen. Now, this wasn't a bad thing that happened to Jonah, but he saw it as bad. And we're going to see that God has to weed out another underlying issue that's wrong in Jonah's heart. Jonah saw it as bad because Jonah didn't have any compassion. If Jonah had compassion, he would have sung it as good. So there's more stuff in there underlying what's going on here. Indeed, look back in our passage. He says here, Please, Lord, in the middle of verse 2, was this not what I said while I was with you in our own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that thou art gracious. This word translates and conveys the term graciousness. It is an attitude of favor towards the undeserving. I knew, he knew that God was gracious. But see, Jonah's not gracious. That's one of the problems. And if I'm not gracious and I'm not compassionate, I'm going to get angry. I'm going to get angry. And God's going to have to teach Jonah a lesson about this. And Jonah's going to respond, I believe, that he are, you are gracious. And he goes on, he says, some of you are gracious and a compassionate God. It speaks of loving deeply. God is gracious. We've got to see him rightly, not just theologically, like Jonah is here, but we need to see him rightly where it affects our hearts and we become more like him. Compassion and slow to anger. That's patience and long-suffering. concerning. And praise the Lord, he is slow to anger. I think about all my missteps and all my sin at times, and I think of how slow to anger God is, and I praise him for it. I praise him for it. He is so good. He is so Good. And he is abundant in hesed, rab hesed. It's overflowing, loyal love. And one, lastly, who relents at calamity. Yes, you're in trouble if you sin. You're even going to have his disciplinary trouble. But he relents when we repent. He's gracious. He's kind. He's merciful. When our, when he's a God who relents. And Jonah knew all this. He knew he was gracious. He knew he showed favor towards the undeserving, that he was compassionate, that he deeply loved. He knew that he was slow to anger and patient. He knew he was long-suffering, had a loyal, overflowing, loyal love. 
and he was one who relents. A list of God's tremendous attributes from Scripture that Jonah understood, that Jonah understood. And these should cause us to fall on our knees and praise him for our God is, is this way. What a wonderful God we serve. And this ought to change our hearts if we truly understand it and we're not self-focused. But if we get self-focused, then we can know all the theology about God in the world and we're going to be self-centered and we're going to get angry. You see, so if my focus is on myself and inward, it doesn't matter how much I know about God's character. There's a problem here that needs to be dealt with. Problem that needs to be dealt with. So then, verse 2 ought to be very disturbing to us as believers. Um, Jonah should have been praising God, yet he was angry. He was really angry. He was really hot, really hot. Now, there's all kinds of uh, reasons why people think he was hot. I mentioned this earlier uh, that, uh, you know, uh, the Ninevites were so evil and so wretched towards their enemies and Israel's one of their enemies, and so Jonah couldn't stand them being saved, possibly. Whatever, all the reasons, there's a ton of reasons, prejudice, whatever it might be, um, partial, oh, God is only for us and not for them, you know, whatever it might be. But the reality is Jonah just has a wrong view of himself and God. He really does. It really does. Now, certainly people with bad theology have wrong understandings, so we've got to see things rightly. We've got to see things rightly. But at the core here is Jonah didn't get his way. He didn't get what he wanted. He didn't get what he wanted. And angry Christians are those who do not have a right view of God, whether they understand it or not. And that's the lesson here. Jonah understood it. He shared a right view of him. He knew that's the truth about him, but he didn't have a right view of him. He didn't have a right view of himself. But God is gracious to address our unbelief. God is gracious to address our sin. He's good. He's good. Later on, we're going to see the Lord ask him, do you have any good reason to be angry, Jonah? Do you really have a good reason to be angry? Or literally, is doing good angering you? Is doing good you see, and when we get angry over our circumstances and we don't trust God's sovereign hand in that, we can hear that too. God saying to us, is doing good to you, angering you? I'm taking care of you. I'm watching over you. I'm working through everything for your behalf. I sent my son. He died for your sins. How much more will he give you all things? So we need to remember these truths. So then, first of all, at the core of anger is a uh, warped view of God because of a selfish self-focus. A selfish self-focus, okay? Then secondly, notice, um, we need to recognize that anger has terrible consequences. If we don't see this, you know, if you, if you don't think of the consequences, uh, you're going to just do things without thinking about that. We need to know there are consequences to allowing these things to go. Look back in our passage, Jonah 4, I'm going to read up to it again. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, was this not what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall us, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, here you go. Therefore now, O Lord, I repent. No. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For death is better to me than life. Okay, where is this coming from? Jonah is, is wanting to die. 
he would rather die than see the Ninevites be saved. Wow, okay, but we are like this, folks. We are like Jonah at times. We've got to realize this. So Jonah's selfish prayer, the conclusion is, therefore, kill me, right? Well, what was he saying before? Throw me over the ship. Jonah's back to his selfish ways again, right? For death is better than life. This is crazy, yet this is what comes in wrong thinking. And we think just as crazily when we have things like this happen to us, when we allow selfishness to, to consume us. You see, when you harbor anger, you will see things satanically. Satan is a liar and a murderer. Jonah wants to die. He is so self-focused now, he doesn't want to live because it's so bad for him, right? And we get that way if we allow anger to continue. Well, some of you might be saying, well, wait a second. Elijah cried out wishing to die in uh, 1 Kings 19.4. Well, indeed, many have noted the prayers are similar in a sense, but let me make this clear. The circumstances are totally different. Elijah was discouraged under the juniper tree, and his discouragement was based on Israel's apostasy as evidenced by Ahab and Jezebel, and Jezebel coming after him, right? Jonah's situation is totally different. He was angry because God saved the Ninevites, and that anger brought about, as we will see, Depression, depression. You see, when you are angry, the next step is depression. You know, the world, now Christians won't admit it because they want to justify their anger, okay? And they want to justify their depression. Christians won't admit it, that anger and depression go hand in hand. But the world even sees it. The world knows that that's what it is. Listen to what uh, the um, the... Suicide and Mental Health Association International says, Depression and anger are two sides of the same coin. They are behaviors most used by survivors, now I don't believe that part, to cope with their damaged lives. Where you see depression, you can always assume anger lies buried beneath the despair, though it may not be obvious. Anger is always a companion to the feelings of hopelessness and helplessness. When one is depressed and all seems hopeless, nothing seems worth doing. They say, why, one asks, why continue to live? The reality is the the world sees it, but anger leads to this, I don't want to live. I'm not getting my way. Depression. Depression. There's anger. You didn't get your way, and you've harbored with it. Satan got all your heart over time, over time, and you're going to, guess what? There's consequences to that sin. You're going to be depressed. You're going to be depressed. Now, I'm not saying that there weren't those in Scripture who were uh, sorrowful over events and situations. The Lord was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We know Paul, he said, who is led into sin without my intense concern? No, this is a self-focused depression based on anger, where you want to die, you just want to get over it. And guess what? Somewhere down the line, you gave Satan a place with your stinking thinking and your anger, and now you are depressed. And that is a consequence. And how do we get out of that? How does God shake Jonah out of this deadly depression? Does God say, Jonah, you need medication that will help you, that will get you through the situation, Jonah? That's what you need. Well, that's what the world's going to do, right? The world's going to say, you need that. Now, the reality is medication works. If I sit on a tack and I take medication, 
I'm not going to feel that tack. But that doesn't take care of the problem. I need to remove the tack. That's the problem. That's the problem. Jonah didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. God was doing something he thought was evil when it was actually good. So he got angry, and now he's depressed. He wants to die. He wants to die. You get angry, you get depressed, and there's evidence by a lack of praise for who God is. If this is you, brother and sister, you need to repent. You need to repent. Now, I need to clarify one thing. I'm not saying that you, if you're taking depressants, if you have chose the world's way to deal with your depression and anger, I'm not saying run out and get off that medicine. These drugs are so strong that if you do that, you will go crazy. You need to go to your doctor and see if they can help you get off and then address your sin. By the way, that's the problem. The Lord's way, not the world's way. There are always consequences to sin. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. If you allow anger to continue, you're going to be down that road saying, I don't want to live. I don't want to live more. Okay? It's just going to be down that road. That's the direction it is. Death is better than life for me. Well, that's really not true, is it? That's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You see, the satanic danger of anger is illustrated in Scripture. It is illustrated in the life of Jonah. Remember we saw this earlier. Be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down your anger and do not give the devil a place. Would you open the door and let a murderer and a, uh, and a liar come in and watch your children? Obviously not. Why do you open the door of your heart and let Satan in? Don't do it. <coughs> Don't do it. Confess your sin. Confess your sin. Anger is very, very, very dangerous. Maybe some of you have given Satan a place. Confess it. When you truly repent, you acknowledge it, you're set free. You're set free. And if you're really repenting, you're going to turn from it, by the way. You're going to turn to God. It's wrong. My anger is wrong. My response is wrong. Lord, my attitude is wrong. <coughs> Let me read some uh, passages concerning anger. Let's... Uh, Follow along together. Turn to Proverbs chapter 14. Let me get a drink of water while you're turning there. Don't play with anger. Put it away. Put it away right away. Proverbs 14:29. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Now, you didn't realize I'm giving you guys that we're having a marriage counseling seminar, aren't we here? Right? This is key to keeping relationships Right before the Lord. Right before the Lord. Proverbs 15, verse 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger pacifies contention. I remember Daniel, our firstborn, he had this little thing, his little Passover. Whenever he had that, he was just happy. You know, the slow to anger pacifies contention, right? Pacifies contention. Proverbs 16.32, he who is slow to anger is better than mighty. We need to get in these verses. If we have an anger problem, we've got to get in these verses because we have a self-focused problem if we have an anger problem, by the way. And we all have that, and we all need to put it off and put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. He who is slow to anger is better than mighty, mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. Better. Proverbs 19.11 a man's discretion 
makes him slow to anger. The ability to make right judgments in biblically makes you slow to anger. You're realizing, you're seeing it from God's perspective. You're judging it rightly rather than just flying off the handle, right? Makes him slow to anger. And it's this glory. It's a glory to overlook a transgression, to let it go. Been transgressed, even transgressed. Now, God didn't do anything to Jonah, but if something does happen to you, it's a glory to overlook it. Proverbs 29, verse 8. Scorners set a city flame. I think of Portland, right? Um, but wise men turn away anger. Turn away anger. Proverbs 19, 19. A man of great anger shall pay the penalty or bear the penalty. For if you rescue him, you will only have to do it again. It's just going to keep having to do it. Proverbs 22, 24. Do not associate. That means stay away. Do not associate with a man given to anger. Or you, or go with a hot-tempered man, lest you learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Proverbs 29, 22. An angry man stirs up strife. And a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. Sin just piles on in the context of anger. Anger is not a good thing. We need to learn how to control our spirits by allowing the spirit to control us. To control us. Proverbs 30, verse 33. For the churning of milk produces butter, and the pressing of the nose brings forth blood. So the churning of anger produces strife. Just You're going to have battles. You're going to have trouble if you got anger. Ecclesiastes 7.9 Do not be eager to be angry in your heart. Do not be eager to be angry in your heart. For anger resides in the bosom of fools. Don't be eager to be angry. And we all know these passages, but Galatians chapter 5, and I'll read this for you, verse 19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, they're plainly seen, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and all things like these which I've warned you, just as I forewarned you that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Colossians 3.8, But now you also put them all aside. Anger, the first one on the list. Wrath, malice, slander, abuse of speech, from your mouth. Put it aside. It is dangerous. It's one letter away from danger. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Don't play around with that. When you are tempted to be angry, you need to see things differently. You need to give it over to the Lord. If you, if you fall into it, confess it. Now, there is that righteous anger, which is very rare, by the way, and don't let the sun go down on that. But don't take that promise for regular anger throughout the day. Get rid of it now. Get rid of it now. Confess it confess it so jonah ends his prayer in such an evil way therefore oh now O lord uh, verse 3 chapter 4 please take my life from me for death is better to me than life wow how far he has come so quickly even after having his little uh cruise ship vacation in the whale right how far he's come jonah should have been saying it's incredibly difficult for me to go to the Ninevites, Lord. They're, they're, they're wicked. They, they've, they've punished Israel. They've, they've hurt us. They are violent. It's so hard for me. 
but I praise you that you've changed their hearts. I praise you you changed their hearts, that they've repented. And I want to serve you with my life. I thank you for the opportunity to share your word, even though it was really hard, Lord. You know, be honest with the Lord, but don't get angry. Don't get angry. So then, this isn't what Jonah says. He goes for the I want to die thing. He's in the depressed mode. So how do we get out of anger? First of all, we need to realize, first of all, uh, that at the core of our anger is not getting our way or something. It's our own selfishness. Even if it's something that's good or bad, we don't get our way. We, we, don't, we don't agree. It's bad to us. It's bad to Jonah. It was bad to us. I don't like the way you're treating me. It's bad to me. That's at the core. Secondly, we need to recognize that anger has very, very serious consequences if we do not address it. And thirdly, we need to realize that God uses his word to expose it in us. Look at verse 4. And the Lord said, Do you have good reason to be angry? I love this. I love this. The Lord gets right to the point. You could actually translate this, and there's, this is a better translation. Is doing good angering you? You saw it as bad, Jonah. I did good with the Ninevites. I saved them. Is that angering? Is what doing good angering you? You see, God is good, and salvation is an expression of his supreme good in Christ. You see? It greatly displeased Jonah. He became angry. But God is good. It was good what he did. And so the simple but poignant question posed by God that addresses the heart of the issue is, is doing good angering you? And Jonah sort of said, yeah, I'm sinning. It's wrong. It's wrong. Brother and sister, let me ask you this. In the big picture is what God does and what he promises to do in the midst of difficulties that come upon us. That goodness, is that angering you? Are you angry at the way he allows the difficulties of life to train you and make you more like Christ? Are you angry at his discipline towards you when things aren't going the way you want because he loves you and he's doing good towards you? Is doing good angering you? You see, God is a God who causes all things to work together for good. And so we need to allow his word to expose where we are wrong. Jonah saw it as evil. God says it was good. You know, Jonah, if he would have gone to a council, they would have worked through his past. They would have worked through all the stuff rather than exposing the sin. God, with one sentence, exposes his sin and exposes his righteous behavior towards Jonah. And so we need to go to the word of God and allow his word to expose us. And so let me ask you this. Is God doing good, angering you? Your honest, repentant answer to this question is crucial. It's crucial. So then we've seen the Lord God confronts Jonah's twisted perception with his word. So how can we avoid the deadly consequences of anger? We need to recognize that the angry man or woman's core, at the core, is a selfish self-focus that is focused on yourself, not getting your own way, whatever it is, and it has a thus a warped view of God, a warped view of God. And secondly, we need to remember that there are deadly consequences to allowing anger to continue in the life of a believer. 
And lastly, we need to let God's word expose where we are wrong so that we would confess and be restored to the Lord. Brother or sister, do you struggle with anger? We all do. We all are tempted. No temptation has come upon us except that which is common to man. But God will provide a way of escape that you may endure it. The way of escape here is to know his word, to know his character, to turn to him for deliverance, to confess quickly, to turn away from sin. The fear of the Lord is to depart from evil. To do that, you're getting angry. Stop. This isn't right. This is wrong. Let it go. Confess it. Turn. Be slow to anger. Be like Jesus. Let Jesus make you that way. Be slow to anger. Are you depressed? The world says, take medication. Look at all the commercials. All these people with their terribly self-focused frowns and their little signs with the smiles faking everything, right? They're depressed. Underneath that is anger. There are consequences to sin. You can be set free. And and medication is not going to set you free. It's just going to delay the inevitable. You can be set free. But as I mentioned before, don't go off medication without talking to your doctor. But medication is not the answer. God's word to address a wrong heart and wrong thinking is the answer. Is doing good angering you? Well, what about those of you who don't know Christ? God is a gracious God. He's a compassionate God. He is slow to anger, and he is not pouring out his wrath on you. But he will do so, but he is slow to anger, and he is abounding in loving kindness. And your anger in just yourself, in your own, in your own life, is enough to put you in hell. Jesus said, But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever shall say, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into fiery hell. Your unjustified anger just once is enough to send you to hell because God is a holy God. But his son, Jesus, bore your sins in his body on the cross. And if you cry out to him, you can be saved and forgiven And when you're willing, be delivered from anger every single time. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much. And we need this so desperately because we all struggle with uh, being irritated and angry at different things that come our way each day. Lord, help us not to forget your character, but to allow you to change us and make us like you, that we would be slow to anger, that we would be like you, gracious and compassionate and abounding in loving kindness, Lord God. Help us. We need you desperately, and it's when we're just not really trusting you and walking with you we so quickly get angry. Help us, Lord God. Thank you for your son Jesus, who has brought forgiveness of our sins, and we pray this in his precious name. Amen.